a little under three years ago, I started a program uh, for priests, an ongoing formation program uh, for how to, how to be a spiritual director or how to be a better spiritual director. Those of you who don't know what spiritual direction is, it's not just free Catholic therapy, like going to talk to a priest about your problems. Um, it's more uh, a relationship between a person who is endeavoring to grow deeper in their spiritual life, i.e. their friendship with God, and a person whose job it is to help them do that, you know, through conversation, through mutual prayer. Um, and so, in a way, a, a spiritual director, you usually meet with them like an hour a month, is sort of like a marriage counselor in the sense that the, the person is not there to give you advice and to, to, to teach you or to tell you what to do or how to be better, but rather to get you to talk to your spouse, to get you and the person who you are trying to grow in deeper relationship talking, communicating better. And so the art of spiritual direction is, is a lot of that. While it's a conversation between two human persons, the director is trying to get this human person to talk to this divine person, to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, and to receive what the Trinity is trying to communicate or give or, or offer to that person in their spiritual life. It's very interesting because the first session we had, we meet three times a year over three years for a week at a time. And the very first session of the very first week, um, they asked the question to us, and it was about 50 priests. Some of us have been priests for 10 years. Some of us have been priests only a couple years. Some of us have been priests for like 25 years. And um, so coming from all different parish backgrounds and different experiences, different ministries, um, the, the reflection question was, how is your marriage? And they just invited all of, all of the priests to, to reflect on that question. Maybe a little odd to ask a bunch of celibate priests how their marriage is. It doesn't exist. I'm not married. Except what they were trying to communicate, the analogy is, how is the relationship, the most fundamental relationship of your life? Are you investing in it? Is it stable? Versus asking, say, a married person, how are your kids doing? Or how's work? You know, some other relationship that's not the most fundamental, that a lot of times you don't have much control over. There's a lot of ups and downs. Well, some the kids are struggling in school. One of them just got in trouble. I don't really know what's going on with her. And my work, oh, I just got fired. And Okay, you don't have a lot of control over those things. If you put all your eggs in that basket, so to speak, if, if all your validation, your identity is in those relationships, it's not very stable. That's when you need to invest in the relationship that is the foundation of all those others. And for a priest, and even for a married person, that relationship is God. And only in Christ are we truly stable. Are we truly known and loved? no matter what. And it's from that place that all of your good works, all of your other relationships, all of the fruit that you might bear in your life comes from that stability. So it was such a, it was such a good question for me to reflect on after being, I was at the time, a priest for eight years. Um, how is my marriage, how is my relationship with the one who initially called me to this life? And is it the place, the source from which all my other energies and all my other ideas and creativity are coming from. Um, fast forward a few years, and uh, this is more, more recently, as we've grown sort of in our ability to direct 
the spirit of others. We've, we've done all sorts of exercises, including um, you have like a class of maybe 10 or 15 priests, and then one uh, gets up in front of the rest and talks about a prayer experience, and then the other one is the director. Okay, so it's almost like public spiritual direction. You get to sort of look in through the glass at what, what it would look like. Um, it's very simple. It's just, you know, the guy will bring a prayer experience, like something that they've been praying with, and um, then the director just pulls certain threads and says, okay, talk more about that. Like, what is that like? How do you perceive God speaking to you? And um, It's very non-coercive. It's, it's either the Holy Spirit is doing something in a person's heart or not. The director can't conjure that, can't create it. So it's a lot of getting out of the way and letting the Lord speak. And very recently, I was on to be the director in front of all my peers, in front of all these other priests. And then this, this uh, friend of mine who's in the class, he shared his prayer experience and I helped him kind of process it and go deeper with it. Then at the end of the session, uh, this was like a few days later, we were going around all of the priests to share a grace from the week of like something that, um, that had really touched our hearts or that where the Lord was really working in our hearts. And we got around the circle and we were all, all sharing something from the week. And it got to my friend who I had directed in front of all my other friends. And I thought, I did such a good job. I'll bet you what he's going to say, his big grace for the week, was how I helped him process that prayer experience. You know? And I just had this idea in my head, like, oh, that'd be nice to get a little shout out in front of everybody. Like, the most impactful thing this week was Father Connor, you know? And, of course, I noticed that in myself, and then I was immediately embarrassed interiorly, because how am I this shallow and this narcissistic that I need this time of sharing about God's grace and how he's working in our lives to be somehow about me, to give me some validation and some credit? But thanks be to God, I was present enough to my own experience in that moment that I just related it to God, and I realized God was present to it. He knew that I was being shallow and, and egotistical in that moment, or that there was something kind of selfish happening in my heart. So I didn't hide it from him, and I just said to God in my heart, God, I need love right now. It's just an honest truth, and it was a request, and immediately there was just this peace in my heart. I don't know if you've ever had something like that happen to you, where you're kind of secretly trying to or hoping that somehow you can manipulate a circumstance, a situation, another person, in order to get some ego validation, some good feeling. Um, and maybe you just give into it and you just, oh, you, that story you just told, that's really interesting. You know what it reminds me of? is something about me. You know, <laughs> you just like always turn it back to me somehow. And, you know, like if you've ever met those kind of people or been that kind of person that just is insecure and needs validation and, and kind of tends to make the world try to revolve around them or being embarrassed about that and saying like I shouldn't be that selfish you, you just kind of beat yourself up or pretend that you're not having that thought you know like oh gosh that's so odious I could never have had that thought you know I'm, I, I'm really holy and humble and actually I only care about what other people are saying and, but secretly it's it's another way of manipulating the situation like look how holy I am I never talk about myself you know real humility Real generosity, real holiness comes from this honesty and truth and communion that somehow God just gave me that grace in that moment to just tell him what I actually wanted. I want to be loved. 
And this is what I think Jesus in the Gospels, he's talking about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, who, they, he says, they do all their works to be seen. He talks about these, like, phylacteries and tassels that the, the uh, Pharisees had were, that were signs of their authority, their titles, rabbi, father, master. You know, they just gloried in all of the honor that their, quote, spiritual growth warranted them. You know, everybody got to see what good people they were. But inside, of course, it's just all sorts of rot. It's just selfishness. It's just egotism. It's not real holiness. Um, what he's saying is that, that these phylacteries and tassels and, and seats of honor and status symbols are what we reach out for when we don't feel actually loved, actually connected, actually valuable. We need to prove our value. And how often do we do this? Look at me. Look at my life. It's valuable, right? I'm doing a good job. We, when we don't have that sense of well-being and that sense of, of our identity rooted in Christ, we put that weight on all sorts of things and people and relationships that can't bear the weight. And we end up doing and saying and being weird things and, and, and using people and taking them for granted and, and acting in ways that we're not proud of. And so the surrender is to, is to just be honest and actually humble. Say, Lord, my need for love is gigantic. I need to be important. I need to be special. I need to be seen. And to see myself as good. That's actually built into you. God put that desire in you. Because you're made in his image and he is infinite love. So nothing short of infinite, perfect, unconditional love will ever quiet our heart's restlessness. But don't put that restlessness, don't put that, that need for love on other people seeing you or loving you or knowing you. Um, but to, to point it to Jesus. And this is what I'll end with. One of my favorite quotes, St. Augustine says, Everything that belonged to Christ by nature belongs to us by grace. Meaning, Jesus holds nothing back, either from his divinity or his humanity. He gives us everything including his parents. Now, finally, St. Joseph here in the, in the chapel, along with Mary. Um, the home at Nazareth, the holy family, it's from, from all the tradition of the church, we've always seen Jesus uh, including us in the mystery of his own hidden life in the home at Nazareth, this unconditional love, in, that in his humanity he learned who he was. He was trained in virtue and discipline and religion. He, he grew in wisdom and stature before God and human beings, it says in Luke. Um, that somehow these patrons, Mary and Joseph, are our protectors too, are our nurturers as well. But of course, his own inner life with the Father, what he shared with the Father during his earthly ministry. He, he went up the mountain to pray anytime he had a big decision to make, who his 12 apostles were going to be, you know. Um, anything like that, he, he, he said, I don't do anything on my own, only what I see the Father doing. He gives us that as well, that we can call God our Father and call on him day or night, anytime. When we feel good or feel bad, we can just cry from our hearts and God will hear our prayer and listen. And of course, he gives us his own body, blood, soul, and divinity in, in the Eucharist. He gives us everything. The priest, before the offertory, pours a little bit of water 
It's not holy water. It's just profane tap water into the, the wine that will become the blood of Christ. And this, the secret prayer he says is, by this, the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. We're that little bit of water being mingled with this wine that becomes the blood of God. That we're included, what, what we're offered in Jesus is so magnificent. It's so unbelievable. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor is it so much as dawned on human beings what God has in store for those who love them. Don't fall for the phylacteries. Don't fall for this silly attention-seeking. That's what God is, is offering us in Jesus, is to, to actually have what our hearts are seeking, to be honest and truthful and aware of our, our, our own heart's drama and to point, that, to point that need, to point that love towards the source of love and the only final resting place of, of our hearts, which is Christ.